Welcome, screensavers. I'm Michael Gallet. I'm Matt Sturdivant. I'm Tyler Sitkus. And together we host the Silver Screensavers podcast. Today we're going to assume to do something a little bit different. Usually we have a main review movie or a special list, but today we're going to talk about streaming. The streaming world collides with movies and TV and frankly our everyday watching habits more and more by the day. And with so much content, you can drive yourself insane wondering what to watch. So today we're discussing our streaming habits, streaming services, and making some recommendations so you're not mindlessly clicking the arrow on your remote for 45 minutes until you finally pick something, but then you're too tired and you have to go to bed disgruntled. No one ever needs to do that again after today. Just a quick thing before we begin, I just want to shout out, we have been getting some loyal new listeners from all around the world, and we are so happy about that. We're so grateful for you all. You are the reason we make this show. Thank you for sharing this with other movie lovers and for coming back week after week. There is a lot more to come. And for all our listeners around the world, let us know how to say stay down to bone in your language, and I will say it on the show. (laughs) <laughs> yes, whatever language around the world, and Tyler will say it on the air. All right, so let's start with the seemingly endless plethora of services we have. Here's a few. We have Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, AMC Plus, Paramount Plus, Peacock, Discovery Plus, HBO Max, Apple TV Plus, ESPN Plus, and those are just some of the major ones, and that's just counting standalone ones, not like the cable replacement models like YouTube TV or Sling or Fubo. So let me start by asking you guys this. With so many options, what makes you guys subscribe to a streaming service? What makes you pay your $6.99 a month and keep coming back, keep clicking on that arrow? So so for me, it depends on which one. Um, a lot of, for instance, I get Hulu included with my phone every month, my phone bill. Oh. Um, so any kind of so other subscription that comes with an incentive of a streaming service, that's a no-brainer. If it's no extra cost to get a streaming service, then of course I'll tag it um netflix was basically the pioneer um so you know as much as it kills me to to think about how how more much more expensive it's been getting uh, i feel like that's just a mainstay for me at least at this point in time um prime is another good example of something being included with something else that i'd be paying for anyway so oh yeah um but for more of the uh for more like the specialized ones like the AMC Plus, the Paramount Plus and that, for me it ultimately comes down to like, up especially recently, you, if you go on like say Letterboxd or even Just Watch or whatever, you can see, you look up a movie, you can see what it's streaming on, and if there's a movie I'm thinking of, I want to watch it, and it's on a service, I'm either, all the, at this point I'm basically subscribed to almost all of them, but if I'm not, I'll do the trial, try to catch that movie, see if I like it, I'll hang on to it, if not... You, it'll go a few months and then if I remember to cancel it I'll cancel it mm. um, but I mean at this point like I said I'm basically subscribed to almost all of them plus YouTube TV I can't say it's any more cost effective than cable at this point but yeah. uh, at least it's a little more granular I feel like so you can you know at any point you can kind of mix and match and pull some if you need to or add some or whatever a little bit better than cable I think. Do you just have YouTube TV or do you have any cable? Well, I have the internet going to my house and then YouTube TV I just got recently for like sports and stuff mostly, like live oh, sports. Okay. And then everything else is just streaming services. 
Tyler, what about you? So my habits of like what I subscribe to is purely based on like if I see something I really want to see that's on the service and I'll pay and I usually forget to either cancel the free thing or I just forget to cancel a subscription and then like a couple months I'll look at my statement and be like I didn't know I even had that so I, I used that once like six months ago <laughs> I'm paying it since um, I just the only one I subscribe to religiously is CNN plus no yeah, yeah. <laughs> no it's Fox Nation right <laughs> Um, no, but like, I mean, half of these I might have, I don't know. Like, I think I use Prime, Hulu very rarely, HBO Max commonly, but the other ones just kind of like, if there's something on, I'll be like, do I subscribe to this? And I'll check and be like, oh, I guess I do. So, well, you know, they get me that way. I will give them that, you know, sneaky well, charge. Well, one thing, one thing I've kind of picked up and a little tip I've picked up too, is like a lot of these services, depending on which ones. You, a lot of times there's bundles out there that will pair and match multiples. But then you got to be careful because there's also stuff like Amazon Prime where you can get like a sub-channel of a service. And that's like full price. Like an example is I, I was subscribed to Showtime as a Prime video channel for a while. I was just paying, it was like I think eight ninety nine a month or something. And then I yeah. saw something on Paramount Plus that I wanted to see. So I was looking at Paramount. And I was looking. You can Paramount. You can pair Paramount Plus, which is like nine ninety nine itself, and Showtime, for like thirteen ninety nine. I want to say, so it's like a five dollar difference. So any anywhere you can, if you can try and bundle them. I like how we've just made cable, but worse. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> like they're like you can bundle these together. That's what we've been doing. But we got like a thousand channels now. It's like now you get three things together that you can. <laughs> I mean, I get this, the on-demand aspect, but if you told me about this 15 years ago, like, that makes no sense. Every channel has its own <laughs> subscription now. It's very Discovery. much the, it's the buffet of media, is what it, oh, I want a little bit of this, I want a little bit of that, but I don't want too much, that kind of thing. Yeah. You guys already kind of answered my next question about how you monitor your accounts. I am, I've tried to be a little more militant about it, as I've tried to save some money, so... For instance, if I wanted to watch Cha Cha Real Smooth on Apple TV Plus, I will look and see if Apple TV Plus has anything on in like the next month or like the next couple of months. So if I go, this is the only thing I'm going to watch for the next month, then I might just wait. Whereas if there's something a couple months from now and I can knock out like three or four things in a one month subscription... I will do that, so I'm only paying $4.99 as opposed to like 10 bucks, And I do that with several of these. I set like notices in my calendar to like cancel on certain days, which I know sounds insane, and it does sound a lot more complicated than like just having cable. Ultimately, I don't, it's not too big of a deal to like cancel it, but like when you have a million things going on, you have a million services going on, it, it gets to be very confusing. And it's also like, <laughs> Other people have said this, and I agree. It's so frustrating that with all these services that really just, like, gobble up content, that's how these things started, there are still some things that, like, you have to pay for. You have to rent, yeah. which is <laughs> annoying a lot of the time. But, like, sometimes I will weigh the... If I know something is on, like, Paramount+, Plus, like an old movie that I need to watch, I'll go, 
is it would it be cheaper just for the one time on voodoo would it be cheaper to subscribe to a month of paramount plus what else could i watch if i do i need to watch anything else on paramount plus um as i'm saying this now it sounds like a colossal waste of my time on earth you know what and it possibly is but you know what it's it's rigged against us new release movie podcasters too you know why because they always strategic like say there's a big franchise movie coming out jurassic world yeah um, I'm pretty sure, right before Dominion came out, nobody had Fallen Kingdom streaming. They had like the yeah, original yeah, yeah, yeah. and like three. They did not have the nowhere. I could not find the full series like included <laughs> with all my streaming services. Like I, I had to hop between them just to get the ones I did. And like it's always like right after. Yeah, and yeah, so you know it's rigged against or it's rigged in such a way. And speaking yeah. of Dominion, let's talk about Dominions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to move on. <laughs> uh, part, part of the issue here is that streaming used to, and still is, but used to exclusively be for providing media that had already been produced and distributed and had like been out for a while, right? We think about Netflix Netflix started in 1997. It used to be the DVD uh, rental and purchasing service. Now every service is creating original content that they keep on their platform, and that's the only way that you can watch it. Right? For many people, this isn't an issue, but if you're someone who's trying to keep up with a lot of the current stuff, movies and shows, or if you really want to see a certain thing, you can't always just rent it for a few bucks. You have to subscribe to a thing, then remind yourself either six days later or 29 days later to cancel or else, you know, the money that you work for all week is going to disappear. Uh, which of these services do you guys think has the strongest original stuff? Hmm. This was a tough one for me. I'd kind of say, I don't watch that much Netflix stuff, but I'd still say them just because they produce so much. But there's so much crap on these streaming services that, like, you know, you find the occasional gem that you're like, like, I'm looking at, I'm like, Prime has some good ones, HBO Max, but then there's, like, so much on there that's not good that it's just, like, you can't even pick which one's the best because you have to wade through so much crap to get to the good stuff. Or you just get it for that one show that you want to watch, that one movie you want to watch, and then you forget everything else and it's kind of useless on there. Yeah, and, like... Let's be real. The Boys is probably one of the only shows carrying Amazon Prime right now. Fair. Yeah, I I only watched the Amazon movies, and I would say, well, my favorite movie last year was an Amazon movie, but I would say a lot of them are very, like, okay. I thought you didn't (laughs) like being the Ricardos. (laughs) Oh, God, why are you going to remind me of that mess? Actually, it came into my head either today or yesterday for some reason and i was like oh i, can't, I just can't believe that <laughs> it's visibly recoiled <laughs> yeah i mean it's like it wasn't terrible but it's just like aaron sorkin come on man i don't know for me i almost well if we're judging just by original stuff it's probably a toss-up between probably amazon prime and hbo max for me hmm. still um uh, although netflix does have Stuff like Stranger Things and um, Hulu's got some sleeper hits on it too. Honestly, yeah, Deep water. and they're they're all yeah they're <laughs> all like really coming up. I would I would say it's a toss up for me between Netflix and HBO Max 
Like, HBO creates a lot of good shows. They've had a few good movies air on there. Like, one of my favorite movies of the last few years is called Bad Education. Um, not the one to be confused with Gael Garcia Barnal. Uh, this one is with Hugh Jackman. I freaking love that movie. I'm what you know. I'm obviously watching stuff all the time, so I don't often like rewatch a lot of stuff. But I've watched that one a few times now. I love it. It's on HBO, so anybody check that you out. Know what? But... I redact my picks because Netflix says I think you should leave. That's true. <laughs> true. Netflix yeah. is the clear front runner. <laughs> What saves Netflix for me is that they do invest in really interesting projects. And we're going to talk about that later. This sort not of anymore. Model. Yeah, not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. Um, but they have in the past, and that's like yielded some cool stuff. Uh, so that kind of saves it for me. So I would say either one of them. It's funny with this modern approach. And this, I don't want to say started, but one of the first was Sandler with Netflix it's almost a return to like the old studio system where talent, whether it's writers, producers, actors, are like staying within a certain service, at least for a certain amount of time. Like, okay, uh, Steven Soderbergh, you're gonna make eight movies for us over the next 10 years, or you're gonna make five movies for us over the next five years. So it is almost like this, this old system um, with this this uh, loyalty to a at least a distributor, which is interesting. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I I also want to give a couple other little shout outs because AMC Plus does also include Shutter, if I'm not mistaken, and Shutter is a really good service for what it for yeah, we, horror movies. Watch Mad God. Um, I'm the one who actually watched Mad God, and <laughs> unless you are just a a masochist. I wouldn't recommend it. It's like a good movie, but unless you're a masochist. Hey, our, our listeners listen to us, so they got to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a good and one. If also, you guys could I will. Go ahead. I just want to say, going back to that question of which is the strongest, on September 23rd, Netflix will be the strongest. <laughs> oh, for Blonde? Yeah. And Showtime has the majority of the A24 catalog, so. Oh, yeah, that's true. I forgot. Too. Yeah, because I watched, I had the, last year, I got a free subscription to Showtime through an NBA.com purchase, and I got to watch The Humans because of that. Oh. Yeah, every, anybody, if you hear a giant scream on September 23rd, that's Tyler going nuts <laughs> over Blonde. Going if you guys could only style. keep one, you can only keep one, which one would you keep? Ooh. Ooh, that's a tough one. Let's say for the next year. Hmm. Am I that much of an A24 stand where I would say Showtime? I would not pick Showtime. It's got Shameless. There's like 11 seasons of that. That ought to keep me busy. Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> no, but um, I would say Netflix. I mean, if I could just put the blinders on and look at what Netflix has and not think about Disney and Star Wars and marvel and dc and like superheroes and like the hbo stuff and like curb your okay no no this is way too tough that's way too tough <laughs> See, of a question I, I would say netflix just because netflix loves to manufacture like hype behind their things so like people be like yo you see the new season of like the napkin diaries and i'm like i don't know what that is <laughs> but that's 10 true. people asked me that today you know what <laughs> true. yeah it's like with stranger things just now like 
I would say again, for me, it's between Netflix and HBO because, you know, Netflix does come out with some buzzy stuff and often I enjoy a lot of the stuff. Both of them have good rotations of older movies. I think I would ultimately pick HBO Max just because they have more of the stuff that I like. Um, but let's let's get into it. It's tough to say also because the content is constantly shifting, which is an interesting aspect to all this. Is It's all very time sensitive. If you don't watch this certain thing by the end of the month, then it is gone and it might not be on another service for a while. Um, let, let's go through these a little more specifically, the services. Highlight what's good about each one. So we have HBO Max. The amazing, incredible thing about that is that they have the entire HBO library. That includes some of the most acclaimed shows ever, like Game of Thrones, Sopranos, The Wire, Curb Your Enthusiasm. And they're making some great miniseries more and more by the day, like things like Mayor of Easttown. They also have the Warner Brothers stuff. That means if you're a DC fan, for instance, if you didn't get to see the new Batman movie, it's there. Another thing I love that they have is they have the Turner Classic Movie section where there's so many iconic movies from like the whole 20th century right there on the service, right? So, and that is one of those like comes and goes, so it's not like it's a fixed collection. But recently they've had stuff like Goodfellas, City of God, Little Shop of Horrors, one of my favorite musicals ever, a lot of Kubrick stuff, A Simple Plan, the excellent Sam Raimi movie we talked about. Uh, Studio Ghibli, which is a freaking incredible library of some of the best animation that's ever been done just right there on the service. That Cartoon Network, Sesame Street, Looney Tunes. Um, you guys introduced me to Smiling Friends this year. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Absolutely. You guys have a favorite thing on HBO or HBO Max? So HBO Max, I really loved last year when they were kind of playing all the Warner Brothers releases. I miss that. It was yeah, nice me too. to get the theatrical release. Especially the ones that I wouldn't have seen in the theater otherwise. Yeah. We're going to talk about that because I agree is that some of those, I either would not have gone to see them or I probably would have been disappointed if I had got in my car, went somewhere, spent, <laughs> went through a half hour of previews and then watched it. Mm -hmm. um, something like, and I don't mean this as an insult to the movie at all, but something like No Sudden Move was a yeah. perfect like on your couch with a nice drink or something and you're chilling out and you're watching it that was great for that um so i i agree i like that and i'm curious if it's ever going to come back uh netflix again they have a nice rotation of like a really wide variety of stuff just recently they added stuff like old school and they added keenan and kel um and it's always changing. As far as their original stuff, they have obviously Stranger Things, some super huge big shows like that. They got some big reality shows. Matt, you like The Circle, right? Oh, yeah. I was into The Circle for a little bit. Yeah. They have a lot of stand-up specials, too, stand-up comedy. So if you're oh, into that, yeah. yeah, and discovering new comics, that's a good place to do it. As far as movies, this isn't completely true there's more but they tend to split into two categories number one is they pay a known auteur quote unquote to make a movie and this has yielded great results we've gotten the power of the doll we've gotten the irishman we're still getting some noah bombach's latest movie but there was a really great movie a couple of years ago called the 40 year old version done by rada blank that was an excellent dramedy so things like that and then you have the popcorn, crowd-pleasing movie, often like action or like more of like a family-friendly adventure. 
um, like the Atom Project or more actiony ones like Extraction, Triple Frontier, also like um, YA Romance, which is kind of like a genre that's gone from movie theaters is all there on Netflix. So I do like it for that. They do, well, I mean, so does every studio, but they do produce quite a bit of mediocre content. Um, so I, I like Netflix a lot, and I'm going to stay a subscriber, but some of the stuff I, I skip. The, the problem, which they're failing now, is they were throwing money at anything, anything yeah. that came in, and they were producing whatever came in, and like some of it, like there's no way anyone was watching half this stuff. <laughs> Are you sure there was actually content behind half of these titles? That's really a loading screen. It's what Supreme does, wouldn't you agree? Yeah. <laughs> they said they they said people watched it, so they did. So. Well, yeah, that's the thing. They'd release like a crappy Ryan Reynolds movie and be like, it was watched six billion times in the first ten minutes it was released. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hulu. So, very similar rotating list of stuff. A lot of cool older movies, some newer ones. Notably, it's kind of becoming the landing spot for Searchlight Pictures, which is now Disney-owned and Hulu is with them. So they've produced and are now distributing a lot of good stuff. This is going to come up later when I talk about Oscar eligibility. They also seem to be getting heavily into the miniseries game. That was all the Oscar advertisements during the Oscar show this year was just Hulu advertising, right? We get the dropout. Um, which is based on Elizabeth Holmes, a biotech developer. They have Candy, the Jessica Biel crime one, Under the Banner of Heaven, which is Andrew Garfield's latest vehicle. Have you guys watched any of these? Any of these? No. <laughs> I I mean, Hulu's got some good stuff. I, I think Hulu's got some decent documentaries on it. Um, hmm. There was one I watched on there. It was called Batman and Bob. I'm sorry, Batman and Bill. Um, what was that? So it was about Bill Finger... The oh, oh, one of the co-creators of Batman who got erased for years and years. There was that. Cool. There was an old. There was one about like the Nickelodeon called the Orange Years. About like oh, the that early is days cool. of Nickelodeon stuff like that. There was one last year I watched. It was a. It was actually produced by Jessica Biel, I believe. It was called Cruel Summer. I remember oh, right. that one was pretty I good. I thought about that. The unfortunate thing about Cruel yeah. Summer is that I love the song Cruel Summer by Bananarama, but now there's an association in my brain from the movie Hillbilly Elegy when Amy Adams is like roller skating through the hospital halls or whatever. Somebody that I love who's in a movie that's bad, made by somebody that I love, and uh, I love Cruel Summer, though. Uh, Amazon Prime, as you mentioned, produces some pretty good stuff. The nice thing about them, like you said, is that you can still rent when you're on their channel, even if they don't, it's not streaming on Prime. Um, so I do like that. Peacock. Peacock is has upped their game, I gotta say. They got some nice rotating stuff. They're getting a lot of the new release stuff. Um, there are a couple of things I'm gonna mention later that are like, we're just in theaters a couple of months ago that now they have. Firestarter. The nice <laughs> Stop. The Northman. The Northman is one, yeah. The nice thing about them is that they have a lot of the old 90s, 2000s sitcoms. And like I said, more and more, they're just getting a better library. You can stream SNL on there and other NBC stuff, which I know is a big draw for some people. Do you guys have Peacock? Hell yeah, I, I, I think do. I do from Firestarter. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Well, at least you can watch Marry Me. Why didn't you mention The Office by name, Mike? No, we oh. don't need to talk about oh, yeah, The, you the can Office get the... was a plague on society. <laughs> 
I love The Office, but one, I don't think it needs any more publicity. And two, you do, you're right, you do get the super fan episodes, which I think a lot of people would enjoy. Tyler, that is false. <laughs> the the as good as the office was and i like the office the the lasting damage it's done to society was not worth it. <laughs> you can't blame the office for what the people have done with it <laughs> i'm going to all right and then you can blame the minions for what the people have done with that too then right <laughs> I, bl- uh, I blame the minions for everything <laughs> i can't wait for our office argument one day uh, Apple TV Plus, this is like kind of the new kid on the block, but they're doing quite well. They don't have quite the library yet. They still got good stuff, but not quite yet. They have some solid hits, notably won Best Picture for Coda last year. They've acquired some wonderful animated movies like Wolf Walkers a couple years ago, um, I, which I feel like a lot of people still haven't seen. Uh, I think kids and adults alike watch Wolf Walkers. It's really cool. I'd recommend it to anyone. And they just had a huge hit with Severance. I haven't heard as much conversation about a TV show as I have for that one in a very long time. Like everybody around me talking about Severance. Which one was Severance? It's the Adam Scott, Ben Stiller, directed, produced. You sure they were talking about Succession? I'm dead certain. (laughs) No, it was Billions. Yeah, billions. All, all these shows are just the same show. <laughs> yeah, Paul Giamatti was it. it was, no, it was, it was Corey Stoll. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was Kieran Culkin. It was Brian Cox. Their <laughs> oh! <laughs> heads explode. Uh, and then I got to ask you guys about this one. So AMC Plus, Matt, you smartly mentioned Shutter. This offers, if you subscribe to AMC+, and if you are somebody like me who still watches The Walking Dead, and they, I don't know if they offer this with other shows or not, but if you subscribe to AMC+, you can watch new episodes a full week before they air on AMC. Do you guys like that model? Do you think it, like, ruins a kind of, like, collective audience experience that these shows often benefit from? Yeah, I, I think it's kind of stupid in that, like, what do you just go in and you're like, hey, I saw the new episode a week early, and people are like, okay, <laughs> we haven't seen it. <laughs> like, it just kind of ruins it. Yeah, I, um, yeah, I agree that, I feel like it just kind of, yeah, it ruins the collective audience, it, um, I feel like they just kind of need some kind of, like, gimmick like that, though, to get people to even give it their attention. So I will never be able to communicate how much I love The Walking Dead. However, you are not wrong in that. It does seem like a, <laughs> oh, you can, come on, come keep watching the show. It's season 11, and it's not, not fantastic, but keep come on. <laughs> it's, it's nonsense now. You don't know who any of the characters are anymore. It's just, it's well, that's because you didn't watch. That's why. You don't need to watch every episode. Just watch the, the premiere, the mid-season finale, and the postseason, or the final season finale. Mm, I will disagree as a watcher of the show, but I guess you can get the gist. But yeah, you're not wrong. It is a bit of a gimmick. I I agree with you, Tyler. It's a little like uh, ruins the spirit of of kind of like the collective experience. This is this is yeah. great for those people who like see something before you and like they watch it with you and like, oh, I know what's gonna happen. Yeah, I'm yeah. not gonna say anything, but yeah but mildred really takes a hit this episode and you're like i thought you weren't gonna say anything yeah oh, i'm sorry i let it slip i let it slip um i only subscribe to amc plus for shutter really and that yeah. was another one i, I though. like it 
That was another one though. I was paying for Shutter as a prime prime channel for like six or seven bucks, and AMC Plus was a couple bucks more, but it came with the extra AMC and like IFC and oh, I see. And what well, is it? Uh, Sundance and the couple other yeah. things, like the niche things that I probably still will hardly ever use, but it's like for two <laughs> bucks more, I might as well. Yeah, and I I do like I do think that that service is getting better too. They are also. I believe, like, releasing an original movie every week, and they tend to be, like, the kind of, you know, only if you're an avid watcher of Shudder or one of those stations, you're going to watch that movie. But I, I think it's pretty cool and worth a shot. So so this whole streaming thing, especially with the smaller movies, very much affecting the modern movie theater landscape. We can't, we can only scratch the surface of that today, but it varies a lot, theater by theater, region by region. But a lot of the smaller movies that years ago may have gotten either limited or smaller releases, some of them, you know, surprisingly do well, but now they're just on streamers. They don't even come to a theater. Does that bother you guys at all? Do you see any benefit to it? I got to say, it really doesn't bother me that much, especially with the last several theater experiences I've had. Like if I'm like, at this point, if I'm gonna go to a theater to see a movie, I'm kind of. I want it to be something that should be a surefire hit, or at least I'm confident really? enough in. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I, I, there's there's something to say about going to see a stinger at the movies. I kind of I kind of <laughs> enjoy that. I will say, like it, you know, as someone who just like waxed poetic about how much I miss HBO Max doing the theater releases as well. Um, I will say it does bother me in a way, just because I think it's kind of, like, restricting some of the, like, filmmakers' um, exposure, kind of, like, you know, by locking them to a streamer, you know, you're you're limiting the audience, whereas maybe they might not make a huge amount of money on release, but it's kind of nice that they can get the release and get people to see it at the theater. But it is nice in the way that, like, there are some movies I definitely wouldn't go out to the theater to see, that I could just yeah pop on and watch. I mean, there are also people, I mean, post-COVID here, there are people that are still immunocompromised that, mm-hmm. you know, can't necessarily make it out to a theater. And, you know, I, I think the luxury of being able to go out to a theater is, shouldn't I should, don't think it should be taken for granted. But I also, I just thought of this, like, what if there was some kind of way or, or thing in place where, like, if you're at, to combat the whole, like, because obviously... There's no way to tell how much money something makes on a streaming service as much as, like, raw ticket sales. Yeah. If, if for, like, streaming movies, like, what if there was, like, a tip jar on, like, a release or something? Or some kind of, like, thing where people can, like, monetarily support a small movie if they're watching it at home and they like it. Within a service, you mean? Within a service, yeah. I just think people wouldn't tip. A physical tip jar that you have to deliver to the, to the Well, I was just trying to be clear about the design here. I mean, it's better. I, there are people that would, though. I mean, I, if that was an option, I probably would if it was like a movie. Yeah, I just away. wouldn't trust it. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. And I, I think it's a good idea. I just... I mean, the logistics would have to check out, obviously, but... Who's the money really going to, though? That's the problem. Is <laughs> it just going straight to, like, Netflix? Well, okay. I, I'm just saying in a perfect world, like... If that could be implemented in such a way that, but yeah, I mean, obviously into, in this corporate oligarchy we live in, that is probably not feasible, but I'm just yeah. saying. 
Yeah, I think it's a good idea. I this really is such a gray issue because you're right. There is a greater availability. Um, there are more people who are able to make movies, right? Because there are more slots on streaming services as opposed to th slots there are in a theater. Especially, as you mentioned, Matt, um, and it applies very much so to families. If you are getting your kids ready, getting them in the car, traveling to a theater, and not everybody lives close to a theater, going in, spending 50 bucks on concessions, you spent 50 bucks on tickets, you need to know that you are going to have a good time, which I completely understand. However, for people like me, if I go to the movies by myself or with you guys, I'm fine being a little more exploring and you know if something doesn't work out that's okay with me but i understand there are a ton of people out there who like just can't afford it um and if you that did happen it would be incredibly frustrating which is why i'm in favor of like kind of like a smaller release window for theaters and then straight to streaming okay kind of that's fair hmm. yeah i like that um and also you know less for the box office which is a whole economic issue um the time commitment you know, I as I said before, there are certain movies that I watch and I go, well, I'm glad I didn't have to spend like a half hour extra in my car to have to go <laughs> see that in a theater where someone was talking and it was really annoying, but I'm too big a coward to say anything. You know, that baby crying next to you. <laughs> no, that baby or, was good. Or, or a gang of 30 people farting. <laughs> during the black phone <laughs> they, they didn't all fart <laughs> a gang a gang a gang, gang of farting people yeah. roving farters <laughs> well that, that's a great transition because we're going to talk about the academy next uh the academy <laughs> of motion picture arts and sciences has returned to their old rule they had this before covid they're returning to it a movie has to have a qualifying theatrical release in the 2022 calendar in order to be considered for the oscars this eliminates films that are strictly on streaming and won't be shown anywhere. For instance, Chippendale Rescue Rangers, I believe, or a movie I mentioned on another episode, Good Luck to You, Leo Grand, I think is not playing in any theater, so that would be ineligible, which my gut reaction to this is that that's absurd, right? It's Again, it's always a little more complicated, but at first I think that's absurd. A movie is a movie no matter where it premieres, but I understand there's tension between the migration of movies to streaming services. And of course, the Emmys has their television movie category. But nowadays, especially as the line between what a quote unquote TV movie is, which we used to consider as lesser, right or wrong, and theatrical movie releases is very much blurring and shrinking. And is streaming even TV? And what is a movie? And who's on first? And all that stuff. So. Do you guys think that makes sense? Should a movie be excluded from the Oscars because it didn't play in a theater? I mean, I yeah, I disagree with that personally. I also, but I also think the Academy's credibility is a bit uh, hurting right now. <laughs> so, I yeah, that's fair. I mean, I don't really put a lot of stock in it. I, I don't, I, re I don't really take their opinion that personally. I don't, but I do need the Oscars to live, so I, I worry about it a little bit. 
what is a qualifying theatrical release? Can they slap this in like one theater for a week and be like, there I you believe go. it's maybe yeah. you can do like uh, an LA and a New York theater for a week and you're good. Oh, so then what's the point? Like, <laughs> just, yeah. just throw those movies up for like because one they were showing in a theater. It's because it's it's it is a technicality. It's because um, they need seventy theaters open for, for showings of the newest Marvel movie. Yeah, my knowledge might not be totally updated. I don't know if it has to be longer this time around, but you're right. It is a little absurd. I don't like it. I mean, Do you it just guys... seems kind of pretentious, honestly. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I I know there's tension between like people don't want movies to like exist primarily on streaming services i i understand it but i i'm not a fan do you guys think it makes sense for like there's still to be these two categories we have the oscars which is you know an all movie show and then we have like the emmys has their television movie category can we like grab the television movies from the emmys and bring them over to the oscars or what if we just have our own or have like a new award show award uh academy or whatever have a new like subsect a... for streamers specifically the streamies <laughs> or something i mean why not i mean they got them for almost everything these days yeah i i think it, you're right but it would just kind of run into the same issue of oh if you run in streaming and in theaters then what would you qualify i mean like it's all made up and it's all very confusing nonetheless it exists so you have to deal with it um, doesn't mean you can't change it though so it it's very confusing i think the like television movie thing should just like be done for instance the movie i mentioned before bad education um which was better than i would say most of the movies that was released in the same year should have been considered for the oscars and i believe it had to stick with the emmys because it was just on hbo which i thought was unfortunate hugh jackman giving one of the best performances i've seen in a very long time um we will talk about him more when the sun comes out. All right, so as far as miniseries goes, I've heard a lot of people make the argument that miniseries are kind of like movies in several parts, which brings me to a question about television, TV shows, or at least streaming shows. When the three of us were young, cable was the only thing there was. And when there was a show you really liked, you had to wait a week in between episodes. Of course, we had reruns, but you had to hit like a TBS or a Nick at Night Marathon. And side note, guys, I just need you to picture this for a moment. It's late at night. It's dark out. It's quiet. I know where this is going. And then you hear George Lopez come on. <laughs> yes. And it is heaven, is it not? Am I wrong? When Lowrider starts, yes. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's jumping in the air. You wake up in the, you wake up in the middle like, man, I could use a use a glass of water like yeah. that's a silent song of my my <laughs> nighttime thirst it's like a yeah, pavlovian you're... response <laughs> <laughs> you're low rider by war and you're just like i'm thirsty <laughs> the worst was like if you woke up and there was like something really freaky or scary on yeah. tv and you're like oh this is hell i'm in hell <laughs> And then you just see George Lopez just floating down the screen. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love George Lopez. That was my favorite nighttime show. Uh, so anyway, we were talking about episodes being released week to week. 
And then when Netflix came on the scene, I'm not just going to blame Netflix solely for this, but binge watching was the huge thing when streaming first appeared. I don't know about you guys, but at first it was really exciting, right? You can watch something, a favorite, a season of your favorite show all the way through in a short period. But a lot of streaming channels and shows have gone back to this week by week release, right? The Mandalorian did this. One of my favorite shows the last couple of years, The White Lotus, Better Call Saul. Do you, which do you guys prefer, the week to week or the binge? I absolutely prefer the week to week, and and like you know, I I see the binge, and I'm like, I want to watch the next episode. But it's so dumb if you just watch it all at once, and then like you talk to someone like, yeah, I'm on episode two, and you're just like, oh, I don't even remember what happened in episode two. <laughs> I'm in episode. I watched ten episodes in a day. So I do like the weekly release, just because you know, if you talk to someone about it, you're kind of on the same wavelength. For me, for me, it really depends on the show, and unfortunately, I there's no way to know which show would have served better week to week or a binge until mm-hmm. after it's all aired. Like the last couple Marvel shows, or I'm sorry, the last Marvel show and the last Star Wars one, they they could have easily been trimmed into a movie, or if they had been bingeable, I feel like I would have enjoyed them more. But okay. specifically, Moon Knight and Obi Wan. While they had some really good stuff in it, in my opinion, there was stuff I did like about them. Ultimately, the week-to-week, paired with the middle episodes just feeling very filler-like, it just mm. it didn't really do it for me. It wasn't like The Mandalorian or WandaVision, where I was like on the edge of my seat waiting for the new episode each week, you know. But unfortunately, yeah. you can't really know if a show's going to have that effect until it's already been decided whether it's going to be a binger or a week to week you know that makes sense i i i ultimately i think i would have to pick week to week because when i have binge shows you get the binge fatigue which is you know i would say depending on whether it's a half hour or hour show around like episode four or five you're just like Ugh. and like even if episode four or five is really good it just doesn't seem as good because you just kind of like hit that limit and you're like all right i've i've overloaded here no thanks <laughs> yeah and and the I thing do. is i mean i understand that you know you have to produce the stuff it has to get greenlit it has to get fun it has to be made so obviously you can't come out with like one season and then another season in six months or anything like although cobra kai is doing that this year which i'm pretty stoked about um mm. another point for netflix um Stuff like The Boys. So this season yeah. of The Boys is by far the best one so far. But I, when I started into this one, there was a lot of stuff I forgot about seasons two and one because it had been so long since... I mean, COVID, yeah, but even COVID aside, like, imagine Stranger Things. I haven't seen the new one yet, but it's been almost... It's been over three years now since Stranger Things season three came out. You know, I don't remember much of anything about it. Yeah, I remember liking it. It's just going to make the things even more stranger. Yeah. It's going to be two more years, right? I've heard. I I think 2024, I believe. I'm not a Stranger Things watcher, but that that is a long time to wait. One thing I will say about the binge thing is like it it feels it's like this necessity to watch it right away. Almost. Yeah. Like I remember I was talking to this girl long ago and like months ago now but like she was like i was like oh i'm watching netflix so what are you watching i'm like squid game she's like oh you're still watching that i'm like it came out three weeks ago calm yeah. down <laughs> like she's acting like i'm watching this thing from like 20 years ago 
you know, when your parents told you everything in moderation, it, it took binge watching for us to go, oh, yeah, they were correct. It's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's, good, it's good to spread things out. We don't need to watch all these series in one day. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so before we get to some recommendations, the good stuff, just one more thing. A lot was made recently of the reported new Netflix strategy of funding fewer auteur projects and more crowd-appealing stuff. And in recent years, they've seemed to be chasing awards, but they're stepping back, and they also have the subscriber loss. So I'm wondering, what do you guys think has gone wrong with Netflix? Do you think that their new strategy is going to work? And when I say wrong, I guess there's a second part to my question. Do you think that their subscriber losses is because of something they did wrong, or is it like simply more competition out there? Because, you know, Netflix did start out in 97 as the DVD service. I believe in 2007, that's when they started media streaming. And then in 2013 was when House of Cards came out, which was like, oh, this is a Netflix original production. Um, so do, what, what do you guys think this is due to? So I think personally it's a mixture of both mm -hmm. more competition with stronger uh, competition stronger content and also just that they did just throw money into every project that came across their desk and they did not weed out anything i think it's a bad thing that they're getting away from the auteur movies because that was kind of a last bastion for these like martin scorsese couldn't even get a theatrical release for the irishman which <laughs> it's scorsese i mean come on yeah that's so funny. i think it's bad when theaters are kind of going away from that as well um, that Netflix is going away from that, but I understand when you're literally just pumping, like, you're like, okay, Noah Baumbach, give us 16 movies. Like, you know, you're, you're going a little overboard with your content, so I can see yeah. that. Like, that's not going to bring in the subscribers, like, by the dozens, um, by the dozens, I <laughs> use such a small amount of people. But, the dozens uh, of hundreds. It might, yeah, by the thousands, yeah, I should Dozens say. of thousands. Um... <laughs> But, like, I mean, I get it, but also, at the same time, that's what streaming should be for, is the stuff that won't make it in theaters. Like, you should be able to, like, give them money, give them freedom to make whatever they want, but when yeah. you just give everyone that freedom, then, yeah, you, you create a problem. I mean, for me, I, I agree with everything you said, Tyler, but, like, just from, like, a basic, like, end-user-watcher standpoint... Like, I'm just, I'm not someone who's thinking too much about it. I'm just here. I got a Netflix subscription over the last, say, five years. I used to watch Netflix for stuff like The Office, stuff like, um, like the Marvel TV series, you know, stuff like that before all these other streamers broke off into their own stuff. So, what over the last five years, what I'm seeing, simply put, you know, they're raising their prices because they're paying for all this expensive stuff meanwhile all these other streamers are taking content away at the same time so like yeah it's cool they have some original stuff but a lot of their heavy hitters are also being taken into their own things so yeah, i'm essentially right to a, in, in a way of looking at it i'm paying more for less from netflix and well yeah, now they want to go how, even less which yeah is their problem well exactly. i mean I, I i think that was their main problem was funding everything it wasn't just the auteur stuff that made them that was failing them. It was literally everything. They were they half the. I'd go on Netflix half the shows that were like in the top ten. I'm like none of these sound real. Yeah. So well, that, they were that's just why funding I... whole series 
dedicated to stupid things. Tyler, just because you can't read doesn't mean that people don't watch shows. <laughs> yeah, I, you're absolutely right. You know, I, I think about the two major things being um, The Office, which went to Peacock, and Friends, which went to HBO. And they have Seinfeld still right now, right? Um, you know, and again, it's not like sitcoms are the the only thing ruling what people watch, but it is a big part. Uh, and you know, maybe like you said, it is because Netflix was the only kid in town for a while. People just had that, and now they might be realizing like, oh, I just I don't watch this enough anymore. And the thing is, too, these other services they can essentially they can afford to charge less. Yeah. Per month, you know, and I mean that's a big draw for a lot of people too. You're like, you know, I'm a big Office fan. All I watch is The Office. Five ninety nine for Peacock, perfect. Right. You know, why well, am I paying twenty bucks for Netflix? It doesn't even have what I want. I think one of Netflix's biggest problems now is that a lot of these new streamers are part of businesses. Like Amazon Prime has Amazon to lift that up, so they can pour money into whatever, and it's not going to be a problem. Disney Plus, Hulu obviously has Disney attached, so they can pour money into whatever because Marvel, Star Wars is going to bring in money. Yeah. Whereas Netflix, this is their business. So they're not, right? They, they only live on subscribers. Yeah. So you don't have a business to back all this spending that you're just basically draining money. All, like, how did they think this was going to work? Yeah, I was going to mention that too. I'm glad you mentioned that because I was getting to that. Yeah, and. It brings up this question of we still don't really know, and maybe the companies themselves have more insight. What does success look like for a streaming movie or show? Because if you think about just like Extraction, for example, if there are 100 million Netflix subscribers, which I'm, that's not the number, I'm just picking a number, and 100 million people watch Extraction, is that good if every single Netflix subscriber just watched the movie but they didn't gain any new subscribers? Is that a successful movie? Is that worth it for them for the investment that they paid for Extraction? I don't know. That is a good question. I don't know. I, I'm assuming the goal is to drive up subscribership, mm -hmm. which it's this paradox of I don't think the power of the dog, and I'm not like picking that movie out specific, but it is one of those like, you know, a tour projects, which is a good movie. I don't think movies like that is going to get a bunch of people to say, I got to subscribe to Netflix, the power of the dog. But it could also be possible that people, I don't know if people know, oh, they have power of the dog. They have the Irishman. They have the new Adam Sandler movies. Okay. I will subscribe. I don't know because there are so many different types of watching habits and the way people decide on things. I, I don't know. I really don't know anything. Basically how it seems with Netflix marketing is like they market entirely based on like, you're going to miss out. You're missing out. 6,000 people watch this this minute. Like, yeah. You're missing out. There's so many people watching this god-awful Ryan Reynolds, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Gal Gadot film. <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh. <laughs> so like well, you, you can't tell me red, red notice, notice. Like that. You, you can't tell me red notice was pulling in subscribers left and right i don't think so either i could be wrong people really but, love you know, ryan reynolds though they really do mint mobile subscribers uh when they do <laughs> that video at the beginning of the year when they're like oh we're coming out with all these cool movies even if i know some of them aren't going to be very good and we still have a lot left to see i do think it's cool that they are committed 
to creating this cool content or at least what they think might be cool so i have to appreciate that but it is a very complicated you know, thing netflix did have effective marketing for me in which they're releasing two anna de armas films this year so you know they got me oh, there yeah That's one, one, more one in just cool. about a week here are you guys ready to get some t- recommendations? For sure. It's mostly going to be, well, From I, I don't really have a whole lot to add because wouldn't you know what the ones that I wrote down or you already got listed here? Well, you can, you can list whichever ones you would like. Luckily, I have a lot, so we have some to discuss. All right, we are going to be back in just a second with some recommendations after a word from our podcast friends. Check them out. Ooh, I've been dying to try this place. Oh my god, me too. I've heard such good things about it. Welcome to the Crime Diner. I'm Cindy. I'll be cooking for you this evening. Here are your menus. Ooh, what are you thinking about getting? I don't know. Murder with a side of cannibalism? What about you? Ooh, that sounds good. I'm torn between historical mayhem and the social injustice, maybe? I just want to let you know that each episode comes with dinner, dessert, and a specialty drink chosen by yours truly. Wine Diner Storytime has had a makeover, and we invite you to slide into the booth with us at the Crime Diner, where each week we will discuss a crime over dinner, drinks, and dessert. See you there! All right, we're back, and we're going to now move to the goods, the new things, some old things that we think you should watch. Depending on your mood, I tried to pick out a lot of specific movie moods, movie genres for this. Some of these we've mentioned before on other episodes, but just in case people missed them. Some are new, some of this in streaming, and the streaming game is always shifting, so we want to give you a bunch of different ones. Here's the first movie mood. If you are looking for something tense thrilling, spooky but not too scary, new to HBO Max is Last Night in Soho. This is the Edgar Wright movie starring Thomas and Mackenzie and Anya Taylor-Joy. It's about a young woman from the rural English countryside who moves to London to be a fashion designer but is demoralized by the city and the strange dreams that she has of a 60s singer. Uh, You can watch this one. We have an episode on it so you can listen to that afterwards. I think this one on a first watch, let me see, there's big asterisks. On the first watch is a lot of fun. The performances are very good. There's a lot of like dark momentum, creepy energy to it. Does not stick the landing, doesn't even land on the mat, but I, I enjoy the watching experience. Matt, you recently rewatched this. Yes, 100%. I enjoyed the watching experience on the first watch. Narratively, it's got some issues, especially in the latter half. But the aesthetic it cannot be beat. It was definitely aesthetically one of the, my favorite movies of 2021. That said, if you've seen this movie before, you could probably skip it again. It's a great one-time yeah. watch for sure. Um, so if you're curious about it, definitely check it out. But just reserve your expectations. And if you've seen it before, then you've basically seen it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, can I just can I just say I'm just imagining someone like putting on like Netflix or HBO Max and being like I'm looking for something tense, thrilling, but spooky but not too scary. That's, that's, <laughs> that's just sometimes that, you're looking for that. That's a, a genre list and it's just last night. So. 
That's not as crazy as some of the the weird lists that Netflix compiles. Critically acclaimed 90s movie starring character actor Julius. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. If so, it is the summer season. Maybe not when you're listening to this, but it is. If you're looking for something sumptuous, a summer thriller where you can bask in beauty, but also be creeped out at the same time, I just noticed the talented Mr. Ripley just came out on Paramount+. Plus. This movie is from 1999, so this is by no means new, but it is excellent and remains so to this day. It's about Matt Damon as a young man who cons his way into living in Italy with Jude Law and Gwyneth Paltrow. Gets like there are mixed relationships there. It's riveting. It's so sensual. You can watch it over and over again. You will get swept up in the glory of Italy at the time, and then you will be brought down by the events. Uh, it is a roller coaster ride. Have I, either of you guys seen that one? I've only seen the other Patricia Highsmith adaptation that came out this year. Deep Water, so no. <laughs> Tyler. I have not. <laughs> Oh, okay. I think you guys should someday. It's like a really excellent movie. If you want something, if you want to go full-fledged, you're not you're not uh, spooky but not too scary. You want to go full scary, something to scare the crap out of you. I recently watched three movies, and all of them, like, coincidentally, all are completely or include found footage. One is The Blair Witch Project, which is, like, foundational to this genre, uh, for also from 1999, about three young adults who trek into the woods in search of a legend. It's really captivating. The acting is really superb. The editing is crazy. I think they had like 20 hours of film for this, and they shaved it down to 90 minutes, which is a feat. Uh, it famously does a lot with a little great marketing campaign. That one is also on HBO Max. I also watched a one that... I don't know anybody else who has seen this. Kind of a smaller one. It's called Hell House LLC. Really cool, really scary um, by this guy, Steven Cognetti, about this group of five young people. They have a haunted house business. Each year they travel to a new location, convert some old building into a new attraction. And the year in which the movie takes place, they convert a haunted old hotel that has deadly consequences for everybody mostly found footage it's like semi-documentary style does a really great job of like hooking you in in the beginning so you have to know what happened if you decide to watch this like give it a few minutes it's one of those that like takes a few minutes to find its groove but it was well worth the wait for me that's on i watched it on amc plus i think it's also on tubi what's it's a few fa- minutes just curious so Without saying too much, there is like a section in the beginning that is more like documentary stuff, and then it gets to the found footage. Oh, okay. Get through the documentary stuff, which is maybe like fifteen minutes. Okay. It's not like it's not bad. I just don't find it as strong as like the found footage stuff. Like I was gonna ask how often like you're like five minutes into a movie and you're like, yep, this one's not working for me. (laughs) Shutting it off. And then this last one just has found footage which is integral to the story of this character this is sinister uh we just talked about the black phone which is another scary collaboration between scott derrickson and ethan hawk that was a movie i liked quite a bit um sinister is much scarier and much more effective than that it is about a true crime author who moves his family into the home of the family whose murders he is investigating without telling them 
Um, he hopes to f- he finds tapes of these grisly crimes. He tries to connect it. Um, he's really excited because he's on the verge of like becoming a big author, and he's kind of losing the reason why he started writing. The movie is quite intense. There is one jump scare that like you know it's coming, but it's so effective both viscerally and like it makes sense narratively. And it's also beyond just the scares. It's effective in communicating that like our insanely pervasive need to be something, to leave a legacy, often includes like fame and fortune. We want to be like a big player on campus. I feel like we all have this need even sometimes if we don't want to say it. That desire really destroys us oftentimes and makes us forget like what, what really matters. And I think it's effective in that. Do you guys find found footage effective? Do you like it? <laughs> kind of. Sometimes it can be good. Uh, as a whole movie, I think it gets tiring. Like the Blair Witch Project, which you mentioned, I, I find boring as hell. I did not like that movie. I, that's <laughs> fair. Um, but like Cloverfield, the original one, I liked. Uh, watching it again, it was much less effective. Um, and it just kind of, it, it can seem limiting. Almost like you're kind of forced into this perspective, which it can work if it, if it's done well. But when it's not, it just kind of gets like, like okay, this is kind of old. Mm. Yeah, I I can't disagree with that. Blair Witch, which is a movie I really admire. Um, it is a lot of just people lost in the woods, but that's why I think the acting is so good. These people like break down over the course of the film. Do you guys have any scary things to recommend? Because I promise after this, at least for me, it's going to be more lighthearted. Um, the Hostel series is on HBO Max right now, or at least the first oh, Hostel movie, know. and that one always freaks me the f out. I've never seen that one. I haven't, I haven't seen too much Eli Roth. Honestly, yeah, almost any Eli Roth is pretty gnarly, but the Hostel always sticks just with watch me. Knock Knock. <laughs> I think that's on Netflix, isn't it? <laughs> it better be, cause I'm watching it. <laughs> Yeah, the house with a clock in its walls. That that scared the the crap out of me. <laughs> Fun fact: I just looked up Eli Roth. Do you know where he's from? Where? Newton. Oh, oh I can't say what I want to say right now. <laughs> Listener, if you're still listening, remind us if we don't say it one day on an episode. Remind us to tell the Newton story because it <laughs> you is got, so. You gotta explain the Newton story. Uh, so if you are in the mood for an epic adventure with plenty of action, The Northman just landed on Peacock. Uh, this is the Robert Eggert's movie. Alexander Skarsgård is a Viking on a quest for revenge. It is super violent. It's a super epic trek across Scandinavia. You know, it's a Viking on a quest movie. The further I get away from this movie, we had an episode and I liked it a lot. I wasn't thrilled by it. But I think the further I get away from it, the more I actually admire it. Um, so I, if you're looking for a lot of adventure, watch that one. You know, I had a similar feeling to this movie as I did for the movie Dunkirk, in which I watched hmm. and I'm like, that was a good experience. But like, I don't know, like I wasn't engaged with it kind of. But then like I'm thinking like this is just kind of like a historical, adv- like I don't want to say adventure for like what it is, but like. You know, it's just kind of like a cool historical trek through this area. And when you think about it, like, that's that's kind of cool in and of itself. It might have, like, the most insanely engaging plot, you know, but it just works for what it is. Do you find the same to be true with 1917? 
Uh, in a way. Yeah. I, I did enjoy 1917 a little more when on first watch. Huh. Not my only watch. I um, on the topic of Eggers, real quick. The um, I think I said it earlier, but Showtime has most of the A24 catalog. So if you like the Northman, and you like Eggers, is kind of like period specific style. The Witch and The Lighthouse are both going to be on Showtime. Hmm. Oh, good to know. Thank you very much. And speaking of which, Matt, this next one goes out to you. If you are in the mood for a classic sports movie, which we don't get a lot of nowadays, you got to definitely check out Hustle. For sure. We already talked about this, but it's worth mentioning again. This is the latest Adam Sandler. He's turning in a great performance. Um, you know, it's the latest NBA stars making cameos movie. It is about Sandler as a basketball scout. His career is kind of on the ropes. He's put all his hope in a young, undiscovered street player. It's got all the classic sports tropes, but there's an authentic energy to the whole thing. It's not sappy. It's not completely outrageous. And it doesn't have some of the bad acting that sometimes happens when certain athletes are in movies, um, You know, which is okay. People try. Uh, Matt, what are you thinking of Hustle? I thought we were going to talk about Home Team. <laughs> movie, go, go ahead riff on a movie it movie that i completely forgot about when i was making my worst of 2022 list oh that's right you didn't even mention it i honestly forgot about it until i started to think about adam sandler and netflix <laughs> yeah another another happy madison project no but um Gosh. but hustle i really enjoyed i probably enjoyed it more than i thought i would um it yeah. just goes to show that like we really need to give Adam Sandler some more more serious dramatic roles to sink his teeth into because when he does do it he knocks it out of the park almost every time mm. yeah I completely agree I just want to add for Hustle Ben Foster is so good at playing a D-bag I like that that's his role in almost everything it's just like he's the jerk of the film if you are in the mood for romance Check out Fire Island on Hulu. It's a great new romantic comedy about a group of friends at a famous gay vacation spot. It's based on Pride and Prejudice. Also, I just noticed on Peacock, hopefully it's still on when you hear this episode, is Blue Valentine. This is the Derek Cian France phenomenal love story with Michelle Williams and Ryan Gosling, who are both giving some of the best performances of their careers. This is one of my favorite movies ever. It beautifully mixes this couple's past and present. I've watched it so many times. So watch Blue Valentine. That's one of my favorites. Also, Marry Me, a wonderful return to the rom-com. If you are in the mood for a police drama, I just saw that Internal Affairs is on Paramount+. Plus. This is about Andy Garcia and Laurie Metcalf, who are both electric in this movie they're going for everybody is cranked up to 10 in this they are tasked with investigating crooked cop dennis peck who is played by richard Gere in maybe his best role he is banging everybody he's beating everybody up and he doesn't <laughs> care it's gear time internal doing affairs. Them at the same time <laughs> sometimes you gotta watch internal affairs i love that movie if you are in the mood for a comedy this is a bit of an old... Well, not that old. It's from last year. Yeah. Last year or the year before? Last year, right? The White I Lotus? Think, I think it was last year. Yeah, White Lotus on HBO Max. 
I this was a big surprise for me. I ended up falling in love with this show. It's about it's a series about vacationers and staff at a Hawaiian resort. There's a lot of familial and class tension. It's funny. It's exciting. There's a lot of biting satire. Um, also, Netflix has Dumb and Dumber, one of my favorite movies ever. The other guys, the Will Ferrell, one of Will Ferrell's best comedies, I think, is on Peacock. And also, Matt, I believe you watched this movie too. Yes. Beavis and Butthead do the universe. Yes. Uh, it's on Paramount Plus. What did you think of it? I tell you what, I for a fan of Beavis and Butthead, there's a lot to like there. I mean, it's hmm. Beavis and Butthead in 2022. If that sounds good to you, you're going to like it. If you're not into it, you're not going to be into it. You described it perfectly. I, I think it's very okay. Um, yeah, it was fine. It's still funny. I laughed a few times. But, like, there are only so many jokes that they make with Beavis and Butthead. This is, it's better in short format is what I'll say. But I it's did, okay. Yeah, I did think it dragged on him just a little bit. Yeah, um, it did. I also want to add, I think you should leave with Tim Robinson <laughs> oh, on yeah. Netflix. The goat of Netflix's programming. Uh, if you're looking for a family feature, something to watch with the kids. I mean, if you find any of the other stuff appropriate, go ahead. But... First of all, just subscribe to Disney Plus and watch anything that is on there. We didn't talk too much about Disney Plus. Um, the thing about Disney Plus is that I love every single thing in their back catalog, but I do not feel the need to like stay updated. I don't watch the Marvel shows, um, so I that's that's the only like I don't want to say drawback, but that's why I didn't mention it as much. But I know you guys enjoy those, uh, so you can speak I've seen more one. to that. To, 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 a, to a degree, I do. Okay, I say the Marvel shows and the Star Wars shows, I guess I'll throw in there. There's at least one I've from each category. one of each. <laughs> Tyler, you didn't watch Obi-Wan? I watched two episodes of Obi-Wan and gave up. Oh. You can skip to episode it. six. Hmm. You're not missing much. Okay. Um, but if you do, so Disney Plus, watch anything. And then Peacock... Uh, I watched a new, another new one, The Bad Guys. This was in theaters a few months ago. It is based on the books by Aaron Blaby. Uh, and this is a new director spotlight. It's Pierre P- Perifel. This movie's really fun. It's super well plotted. It's written by Ethan Cohen. Uh, the <laughs> that, anim- that, that is an oxymoron of a sentence. <laughs> you, know, you want me to pull up the jobs of Ethan Cohen right now? Because I will. The Garfield. <laughs> no, are you ready for this? No, it was Joel Cohen that did Garfield. What? It was, no, it was Joel Cohen with an H that did Garfield. <laughs> was it? Yeah. Oh, okay. This um, is Etan Cohen. He co-wrote Idiocracy with Mike Judge. He co-wrote Tropic Thunder with Justin Throw and Ben Stiller. He wrote. He co-wrote. Uh, Madagascar Escape Escape to Africa underrated sequel by the way I love the second Madagascar so what it sounds like to me is when he has a co-writer keeping him on track he's good so so Uh, on Disney Plus are you saying families should watch Dan in real life yes something I've never seen but yes he has has his head in pancakes what could not be delightful that's gotta be fun oh also uh, maybe I'll mention this again at the top of the next episode, but if you are just looking for the perfect summer movie, perfect summer movie, watch The Way, Way Back on, I believe it's on HBO Max now. That's about 
um, kind of a wallflower kid who is vacationing um, in a summer home with his mom and his mom's boyfriend, and he finds a mentor in Sam Rockwell at a water park. Perfect summer movie. But back to the nice guys, which also has Sam Rockwell. Uh, the bad guys, really fun. Again, super well plotted. The animation is cool. It's like almost comic book style, especially when there's during action sequences. The voice acting is a lot of fun. There's like a really nice, maybe incomplete, but nice exploration of like kindness, altruism, and also like maintaining your identity while altering your behaviors. Um, that is on Peacock. And that is all I've got. Do you guys have any other recommendations so people don't have to scroll through streaming for nine hours? I mean, I think we pretty much covered all mine. Yeah, same, but I do want to mention The Boys on Amazon Prime. Oh, yeah. Um, by the time this episode comes out, season three will have wrapped up. Um, so, absolutely, if you haven't seen it, absolutely dive into that. Um, if you, you like know, superheroes, if you, if you the hate superheroes. Yeah, yeah, it's it's for everyone, so <laughs> it's not for everyone. Yeah, please I don't, don't think it's for kids like from what I've heard. Yeah, don't let your kids watch this. It's not a fun superhero show. Uh, <laughs> All right, well, if you as the listener, I would say watch this stuff, check it out. If you have recommendations that are on services, please let us know. Write to us at silverscreensaverspod at gmail.com. If you like the show, please rate and review on your favorite podcast app. Uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Shout us out at screensaverspod. And our Facebook is silverscreensaverspodcast. Matt, where can you be found online? You can find me over at Maddie X Sturds, S-T-U-R-D-Z. That's on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. Tyler. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Tyler Sutkus, and you can find me on Letterboxd at Tyler96. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Michael underscore Gallet and on Letterboxd at MGallet. Well, thank you all so much for listening and sticking with us. We'll see you next time. Peace out. Happy streaming. Stay down to bone. Silver Screen Savers podcast was co-created, written, hosted, and produced by Michael Gallant, Tyler Sukkis, and Matt Sturdivant, with additional editing by Matt Sturdivant, intro music by Charles Michelle via Pixabay, logo design by Nathan Seidel.